Hey guys, welcome back to the Bible Unfiltered. I am John. And I am David. And this is a podcast show, um, not a YouTube channel yet, even though it, it might be prophecy, but probably, well, maybe one day. Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe it'll be fulfilled. Yes. Um, but this is a this is a podcast that is dedicated um, to reading the Bible <clears throat> and taking our theological filters off of it, because what we really want to do is we just want to read the Bible and obey what it says. We want to take it literally when we're supposed to take it literally. We want to take it symbolically when it's supposed to be symbolically so that we can get the most out of God's Word. That's right. We don't want to read into the Bible and and try and make a verse fit our agenda. We want to say, okay, does this, is this verse actually talking about that? Or is this just um, something that so happens to, to deal with something similar? Like, for instance, if I was going to talk about the Holy Spirit and, and you know, the, the tongues of fire, and I opened it up the Bible and started looking at, like, okay, let's look for fire. And I found, like, oh, like, the fiery furnace. Like, maybe the Holy Spirit has to do with, like, furnaces. Like, <laughs> and, and what would that do in that application? It would rob you of, in my opinion, it would rob you of seeing Jesus as a picture, a type and shadow in the Old Testament. That's right. Um, which is good stuff. That's that's what we want to do, is we want to um, we want to read God's Word. And if, here's, here's a spoiler, um, Almost everything in this ancient book is about Jesus, like almost everything. So just keep that in mind as you're reading it and start looking for, especially in the Old Testament, start looking for pictures um, of Christ in the Old Testament for types and shadows. Mike Winger has a really good series. Um, he goes super in-depth, and um, he he looks for those, and then he expounds on them, and there is just countless i mean there is you can count them but a lot of examples of jesus in the old testament yeah and um you know we want to be able to uh i lost the my train of thought that left the station and kept on choo chewing down the hill and crashed <laughs> <laughs> continue <laughs> yeah so anyways we're big mike winger fans um we would always, always, always recommend his channel uh, for good quality Christian content. So what you don't get from here, which is going to be a lot, go <laughs> learn from Mike. That's right. Um, okay. So let's let's get right into this. Um, this week, so we're going to pick up in Romans 1, verse 17. This is going to be kind of a closing um, from where we, where, where we left off with 16, and we're going to read... Uh, from 17 to, I believe, 20, 23. 23. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. <clears throat> we're going to read the whole passage, um, get it in our brains, and then we're going to go back and start looking at these uh, these things one by one. Um, and I'm actually going to start in 16 because it gives more context to 17, just so we can talk about that more uh, in a minute. The three rules of reading your Bible is context, 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 context. context. context yeah. <laughs> Uh, those are those are very important. Yes. <laughs> um, so let's start in 16. <clears throat> for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. You know what? That would happen. As soon as I started reading, a thing popped up. Let's start over. <laughs> yeah. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So that's kind of a complete thought. 
And now we're going to move on. Um, that is like the climax of chapter one. And so now we're really going to start getting into the meat of things. Uh, so verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in all things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Mm. <clears throat> so we're going to start in 17. We've already went over um, 16. So we know um, when we went over that, we, we basically talked about what is the gospel. Um, and, and he's kind of finishing up uh, for in it, the righteousness. So it there is the gospel. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as as it is written, the righteous uh, shall live by faith. Yep. Um, different translations are going to translate that differently. We're reading out of the ESV, and it says from faith for faith. Um, and if you look at the context, like the, the next line, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So the, the way it seems that Paul is applying this is think of think of the gospel and think of your salvation. You're saved by faith, and and you walk with the Holy Spirit. You you walk your sanctification um, process, your your race. Well, I guess you'd run it then. You wouldn't walk it, but you just you walk this life out um, through faith. What well, we have to have faith in Jesus, um, and 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 that's that's basically what we live by. Um, we don't see these things, you know, we, we, we don't see them and we don't, there's some things that we see, but by and large, you know, most of the promises that are made to us, we're not going to see or receive until, until we die and we, and we pass on to, to eternal life. And that's really something important to remember as Christians, because I think we can have a hunger for spiritual things and, you know, we read in the Bible and we, we see, well, there's all these miracles and they got to see Jesus like, in the, the flesh. In the flesh. And the Apostle Paul got to see the risen <clears throat> Lord in all his glory. And we, we can want that. Like, man, I really crave that proof. I think we can really want, like, just to, um, like, it really would build our faith to actually be able to see Jesus eye to eye. Yeah. Like, like that'd be pretty cool. That would be awesome. And so we crave that, and we crave miracles. And it's not a bad thing to want to see the miraculous. But when that becomes your foundation for your faith, and you live your whole life and don't see it, well, then that's going to really take a tax on your, your faith. That's why we can't rely on that. And we can't rely on other people um, telling us stories of what they experienced to be um, what feeds us. Our faith needs to start with Christ and end at Christ. Yeah. And and that's really good that you brought that up <clears throat> because I want to read um, in John 20, verse 24. Um, so... This is a this is a, a comforting thing for me because I don't know anyone that that talks this way or you know thinks this way, but maybe subconsciously we can we can start to wish that we were alive. I know that I have done this before. Like, how awesome would it be if you were a Jew 
and you're living um, in these times, and here comes the Messiah, and he's not just a man. He's not just an offspring of David. He's also God in the flesh, and you're seeing these things, and I'm not going to say left out because obviously we're not left out, but, I mean, how amazing would it be to be around in that time for the fulfillment of the greatest thing in the history of humanity, of the history of the world, which is the salvation through Jesus Christ. It would have been amazing. But this gives me great comfort. So this is John 20. um, We're going to start in 24. Now, Thomas, one of the 12, uh, well, I'll stop here. This was after Jesus is already crucified and he's risen again. Um, And we're going to see that, that some of the apostles saw Jesus, but Thomas, which you know, he's Thomas the Doubtful. He was, because he was of, just on lunch break. I think yeah. that's why I missed out. <laughs> yeah, he was He was probably at Subway, like, having it his way. Yeah. Is that Burger King or Subway? I don't remember. They changed. What yeah, the, I don't know. Whatever. They don't even have $5 footlongs anymore, so, you know. Do I, they not? No. I mean, maybe they do. They bring it back every once in a while, but... <laughs> uh, everything went downhill when Jared was fired. That's right. <laughs> even though it was a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good thing. And yeah. for our younger listeners, we won't say why. Yeah, we... No. Mm-mm. Ask your parents. Or don't. Or don't. Just forget it. <laughs> yeah, just forget it. <laughs> On to biblical things. On to biblical things. Okay, verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside once again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So we see um, an inclusivity. Everyone else, like it's not just for this generation, um, but everyone else that is reading these words, you're you're still blessed. You're not left out. Um, and I take great comfort in that. I know I can take comfort in that because, you know, we can, like I said before, we, we read the Bible and I think there's right now in our um, in our culture, everyone has to outdo each other with their story. It's like, oh, I had this experience. I, you know, I, I felt, heard the voice of God, or I heard the voice of, uh, you know, I, I saw him walk in my room or something like that. And and it's like, for me personally, of course, I, I'm skeptical. I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. But then if if you're not securing your faith and go, well, why doesn't God visit me like that? Why doesn't God talk to me in an audible voice? And that can make us doubt our salvation. It's like, am I really that good of a Christian if I'm not yep. hearing God and seeing angels and stuff like that? Yeah. And this is Jesus actually arguing against that. It's like, you don't need these special encounters. Just have faith and know me. And there's a special blessing there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very comforting. Okay. So we have basically just covered, um, the climax were 16 and 17 were the climactic points of Paul's opening. So like I said, we're going to start getting into um, the meat of this. And what's the first thing that we that we meander upon, which is God's wrath, which is not really um, a popular 
thing to talk about nowadays. Yeah, that's scary. It's it's scary, but it's it doesn't matter whether you acknowledge or acknowledge it or not. Um, it's still a truth that we need to warn people about. Um, yeah. <clears throat> We're going to go to a scripture, and so I won't spoil it because it'll be just here in the next few minutes. But um, God's wrath is just, um, but there's a specific purpose for why our judgment is delayed, and, and we'll see that in a minute. So let's go ahead and start here at 18. Um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Um so we see <clears throat> that they're suppressing the truth. It's something um that it's like they know the truth. Right. But they don't acknowledge it anyways. And here's the thing about God's wrath is like it's justified. As humans, I think we view things like, well, you know, I think I feel like I'm not the bad person. Why should I be under the wrath of God? Where it's saying, you know, these people know the truth, they're suppressing it. Like, they know what they're doing. Like, not just they, we. Like, all of humanity, we've all been given that that conscience inside of us to tell us when something's right and wrong, and we just do wrong anyways. Even if you've never heard of the Christian, you know, Christianity at all, like, you still have that conscience within you, which, you know, directs you to right and wrong. And so, even though you're ignorant, you're still guilty. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so, we're going to go, uh, I'll just, I'll read this quickly. Romans 2 so we're jumping ahead a little bit, but we're going to start in verse 4. Um, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is, mean, is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenit, impenitent, I always, impenitent, impenitent, that's it, heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when uh, God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so we see that God God wills us to be saved. Um but he he delays our judgment to lead us. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Um it's not just so that we can live however we want. It's not so that we can just keep going and and following after false you know gods or now more than ever atheism which is an idolatry in itself cuz there's other issues there but they may they may claim that they don't believe in a god but that's that's becoming more and more popular <clears throat> and there's a reason that that god is is delaying the judgment that's mm-hmm. it's we're supposed to He's given us time to repent, and He's given us time to make things right, um, so that when we do die in this life, that we're that we're saved. Yeah, and I think as Christians, it's very tempting to want to omit talking about sin and wrath because it's such a difficult subject. Um, I guess it'd be difficult if you don't have the right point of view of it, and we just want to focus on God's love and um, forgiveness and the good plans He has for our life, kind of deal when we present you know, the gospel. And I, I think I use the gospel loosely when I, when I talk about that type of, of, um, type of sermon, because if you omit talking about sin, how do people know what they're being saved from or that's, that they even right. need to be saved? They're not turning away. They're not repenting for, for their, for their sin. So their heart is never being offered up and cleansed by God. So they just stay where they're at and they never make God 
they never never really make Jesus their Lord. Yeah. You know, we we make God our God. That's the point. And if and that includes all the areas where we're we're wrong in. If you never expose that, if you never tell people to turn away from that, they stay in that. You can tell them God loves you all day long, and that doesn't matter. They'll still continue to be a false convert. Yeah. Um. I I know that can be really hard and harsh, but you know it's it's the truth. If you if you omit something from from the Word of God just because it makes you uncomfortable, well, it's not it's not popular right right now. Then you're doing people a disservice, and yeah. you're not living uh, a, a a true Christian life in the sense of spreading the gospel. Because now you're making the gospel your gospel and what you would like to hear. Yeah, yeah. People, um, we know that it's not popular, um, but the gospel is all about our salvation from our sins. Um, it's not about anything else. It's not. It's not your your ticket to heaven. It's not your ticket to everything going right in your life. It's not your um, your blank check for prosperity. Um, it's it's all about. <coughs> excuse me. It's all about our sin as as a as individuals and as a a group. You know of humans that that constantly reject God, constantly, and we have no hope of of justifying ourselves through our works at all. Because God is so holy and sin is is just contrary to who He is, um, so we. How do I say this? We have a very very um, good example of of how to do these things. We have the Old Testament, and the purpose of the Old Testament is to show that we cannot be righteous. Um, we can't prove our righteousness, even even if God Himself tells us how to obtain it. It's not like God's like, "Oh, I want you to be righteous, but I'm gonna I want you to figure that out." He gives the Jewish people the recipe, and they still fail. For like, I forget Abraham was like 2600 BC, so like over 2,000 years, no one is is righteous in God's eyes as far as salvation and being saved. Um, so we have a clear example of the, the law condemns us. And then what is the good news that Jesus came and fulfilled it for you? It was a, um, a penal subs. Yeah. Is it substitutionary? Yeah. yeah. Uh, basically Jesus came in, in your place, took your sin on the cross so that you don't have to live that life. All those requirements that, that God set up, he fulfilled them. Um, so even though it's not popular now, Paul tells Timothy to preach the gospel in season and out of season when people want to hear it and when they don't, because it is not on us to, to get people saved. We just speak God's word. And as people hear it, the Holy Spirit will convict them and lead them to repentance. Cause let's be honest, <clears throat> I want no part whatsoever of giving someone false hope in a salvation and they're not really saved and they're a false convert. Because I think, me personally, I think that that is way more dangerous than being an atheist or an, uh, a Muslim or a Buddhist. I think what is more dangerous is being deceived in thinking that you're saved, but you're not. Yes. Um, so we always want to be very mindful of that because what we're saying is, 
is leading people either to God or from God. Um, so we want to be very careful. And how amazing is God's love when we actually realize what he did for us, that we didn't deserve that love, we didn't deserve his sacrifice. If you don't have, if, if you don't understand who you are, then you won't understand who God is. And you won't understand how amazing that love is. And then you'll live your whole life trying to accomplish something, but never able to reach it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so let's move on. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them uh, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Um, let's see, we had a psalm written down. Do you want to read that? Yeah, absolutely. That would be Psalms 19.1. I had it pulled up and then I put it down. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms 19.1. And if you're driving and listening to this, please don't do that. Please don't do that. No, sir. So in Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's basically it. Um, yeah. you, you can keep reading down, you know, day, day to day pours out speech, and night reveals knowledge. Um, you know, the, uh, basically the, the Psalms, you know, a lot of them are declaring, you know, how amazing God is and, you know, the works of his hands and, you know, there's these images like where he's racing in the clouds and, you know, he touches the mountains and they smoke. And so, you know, nature itself, the complexity of how it is, is, is just, it's hard to deny that there is a God or yeah, it's hard to deny that there's a God because just of how everything works so well. And it's so it it's always on on the verge of not working. Yeah. <laughs> like if if we were a little bit farther away from the sun or a little bit closer, none of this would be possible. And then inside of that, you've got you've got an atmosphere that traps gases in that allow uh life to form. You've got all these things that just work out perfectly. And it does it it's it it seems to me, and this is just me, I mean, I know that different people have different um, um, personalities and that leads to what they believe, but it's it would be harder for me to believe that this is all by chance versus thinking that this has to be an intelligent design. I mean, the fact that right now David and I are talking into microphones that use electricity to convert sound waves into an audio, a digital audio recording, and then we're going to upload it later so that you can listen to it wherever you are. And all that stuff is made possible because of the world around us. It's so complex. Um, oh, th th there's something else that I want to read. Uh, we're jumping ahead um, in Romans again. Um, but there seems to be a sense of where Paul is making the argument that that even Gentiles, even uh, people that aren't in the Jewish nation, um, they have the law written on their hearts, which would be their conscience. They're, you know, our, um, as a society, we have uh, morals that everyone, you know, should agree on. Like, it's not a good thing to kill someone. It's not a good thing to hurt children. Um, those aren't, those aren't flexible. Those are, 
they seem to originate from somewhere. So where do they come from? Because there's certainly some people that think that it's okay to kill people. Yeah. Um, some people enjoy it. Does that mean that, that for them, that, that that wasn't a immoral act? No. So there seems to be an objectivity to morality. Um, and Paul, Paul talks about it in Romans uh, 2, verse 14. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Um, so there seems to be a, a a sense in which if you die and you're not um, you're not putting your faith in Jesus, different people <clears throat> may have um, different people will certainly seem to have different judgments um, based on 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 what they knew was right and wrong and whether they broke their conscience or not. Um, so that's interesting that, that, that seems to be a general revelation of God. Like everyone seems to have an experience like this. And then the Jewish people were just picked as a special, um, a special group that God chose as his people to actually carry his actual laws, actual, um, writings, uh, which is really neat. I think it's a good argument for the existence of God the fact that we have morals. Yeah. Like animals don't feel bad when they you know, murder each other or eat right. each other or, you know, have multiple partners, you know, it's like, and it's not really helpful to have a moral. Like, let, let's be honest, the, the if, if you're going the natural way and saying, well, evolution, everything kind of deal, um, then, you know, so the Nazis are right. Yeah, you know, well, might, it's, it's might helpful rate. for whoever holds that moral. Yeah. You know, because the Nazis, they're carrying out what they think is, you know, Adolf Hitler, he thought that that was, that was the very thing to do. Um, so you can make the case that, that, oh, well, yeah, it hurts the population as a whole, but obviously he didn't care. No, he was, he was looking for genetic perfection. What's wrong with that? Might make fright. The, the people who are strongest should be in charge. They're the biggest and strongest. Why not? Yeah. That's what gorillas do. That's what lions do. You know, they, they try and perfect their lineage. What's, what's wrong with that? That's just nature, man. Like that should be the, that should be the real moral and these, Ideas of love and compassion, they weigh us down and, you know, um, I kind of sound like Thanos now, I think. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're, we're being, we're being hyperbolic. We're, we're, um, we're talking, we're, what am I trying to say, David? Uh, we're exaggerating. Exaggerating, That's yeah. the word. I, I went blank. We're exaggerating these things um, because these questions still, I mean, atheists on YouTube will say that clearly there is no God, but if you have anyone that is, that is at least, um, honest, they, they will at least tell you that, yes, some of these are hard questions. You can't just write off morals and say, well, obviously this, you know, derives from some common good of the people, um, because different people have different experiences and they justify themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess, I just have a hard time wrapping around my mind around atheism I know. in general. Like, not to be, to sound cruel, but you know, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> like, if you're an atheist and you're listening, I'm not calling you stupid, but 
Sometimes their arguments are not very well thought out. Yeah, let, let, let's think about our arguments. You know, let's, you know, I'm willing to do my research. Let's, how about you do your research and not just rely on the, the witty comebacks that you see on Facebook. Like, let's actually put thought into what we're saying, you know? Yeah. There's, there's some guys that have taken shots at Christianity um, and they, they blatantly misrepresent the Bible. And I mean, I'm sorry, but that doesn't do anything. It may make you sleep better at night for a time because you think that God isn't real, like fine. Um, but it just makes you look like a fool. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that atheists are fools, but I will say that when you misrepresent your argument, whether it be Christianity, um, whether it be atheism, it doesn't do anyone any good. Um, and so we're talking really specifically about this pop atheism that's yeah. on YouTube that's like five minute videos. And it's like, well, clearly God isn't true because of so and so and so. Um, let's let's think critically about these things um, and not, not if, just... If you're like Jordan Peterson, where you're legitimately wanting to discuss these ideas... And it's just like, well, right now I just can't see a way. Well, fine. Like, I right. think that's that's honest. Yeah. But if you're, like, to the point where you're just kind of, like, throwing out things just because you, you're being a hateful troll, then it's like, okay, nothing can convince you. Even if there was evidence right in front of you, yeah. you wouldn't accept it. And yeah. there is evidence right in front of them, and they're still not accepting it. Right. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson did a series of interviews with Sam Harris, and Sam Harris is an atheist. But I really enjoyed, I listened to it. So Jordan Peterson is not a Christian either. What he says uh, very explicitly is that he acts as though God exists. Um, so he, that would be him doing exactly what Paul's talking about here, following yeah. his conscience, being uh, making moral actions. Now, ultimately, we know that that's not going to save you. No. Um, but... I would recommend going and listening to their conversations because you actually see um, them having a cordial conversation back and forth. And it's funny because Jordan Peterson, who is not even a Christian, um, does a better job at defending Christianity from an atheist than most Christian apologists. Mm -hmm. um, he's super brilliant, super smart guy. So <clears throat> let's continue. Um, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their hearts were darkened. Um, so what we thought of is, is Exodus. Yeah. Um, do you want to go to Exodus chapter 32? Yes, I will indeed. So it's crazy to me. So th there's a lot of stories in the Bible where, uh, especially in the Old Testament, where kings and um, other rulers acknowledge that God is higher than their gods, and yet they still don't worship Him. And what better example is His own people? Is His own people at, yeah. at Mount Sinai, and uh, they're waiting on Moses to come back with the Ten Commandments. And so, so this is the the context, 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 context. Um, they just came three out times three, because three of times. the uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. That's right. <laughs> so keep, keep everything is three. Yes, <laughs> that was so <laughs> random. <laughs> it's the holy number. I don't know. Yeah, numerology is dumb. Yeah. But, um, um, 
So they, they got out of Egypt, and they're waiting on, on Moses. And you know, they've, they've seen some incredible things. They saw all the plagues. Yeah. Uh, they saw the Red Sea open up to them. And, you know, they're standing before Sinai, and they're, they're seeing the, the smoke and the fire, and they heard the trumpet blasts. And... Everyone is like, no, Moses, you go. Like, we don't want to go near that. <laughs> That's yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, no joke, I'm sure God is scary. Yeah. You know, like... There's the fear of the Lord, you know, like that's a legit thing that we need to have. But um, uh, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, um, make us gods who shall go before us. For uh, as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of, has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off uh, the rings of gold that are in your ears and of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. You know, give me a bling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so all the people took off their rings of gold and uh, that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Sounds like socialism. <laughs> yeah, except he didn't equally distribute it. Well, that's true. He equally, but they were all equally as poor then. Yes, and he equally distributes it afterwards. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, uh, these are the gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Ooh. Isn't that scary? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. And see, well, so before we continue, we always want to make this distinction because somehow it's like people think that they know how they would act in a situation. They're like, oh, Israel, they're so stupid and they killed Jesus like I hate Jews. Hold up. Slow your roll. Mm -hmm. You are Israel. Like we as a people constantly turn away from God. Yeah. Um, so let's not condemn a whole nation. Be like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Um, we see time and time again that that this happens to everyone. So slow your roll. And one of the troubling things is one of the translations is they pointed to the golden calf and said, "This is Yahweh." Yeah, and that's that's kind of messed up. It's like, okay, you know that you know that ain't him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you're, well, and, and that, that ties in. Let me go back to Romans. Uh huh. Um, they knew the real God. The, yes. This was a people that God chose for Himself. And he says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile and their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Mm -hmm. Man. So on one hand, we want, we do want to recognize that, yeah, there is like, that's crazy for those people to come out and then all like so soon they just, they, they turn away from God. Uh, but we, we want to keep in our minds that like Israel is, is us. Like we as a people, it's the human condition of sin um, that we're all under, where we're constantly trying to put things before God. Uh, we have other idols, you know, whether that's things that, that you do honestly like care about more than God. Um, so it's always crazy to me. Well, it seems like the, in anything, the very thing that people are using to justify themselves out of context is the thing that disproves them. Um, yeah. Because... People will be like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't like Jews, or or they'll justify anti-Semitism. Is that Semitism? Yep, anti-Semitism. Yeah. Um, they justify that with the fact that, that Jesus, you know, was killed at the hands of the Jewish people, which technically he was killed by the Romans, but they definitely instigated. But anyways, that's not the point that we want to take out of this. <laughs> like, 
you missed the whole point. Like it just went way over your head. You yep. missed the forest for the trees. This is a picture of sin and what it does to us yep. um, as humans. So um, let's just always keep that in mind. That leads us to this next point uh, in verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we see in 1 Corinthians. So turn in your Bibles, unless you're driving, to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, but it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greek and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness uh, foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What is Paul saying here? He's like, hey, we're preaching Christ crucified. To Jews, that's like blasphemy, that that's God that allowed himself to be crucified. And to Gentiles... The fact that you worship a God that, that was that was crucified, that was killed, that's foolish. You know, and 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 Paul is very clear. The foolishness, this this plan that God set in act of God is wiser than men because this was the only way for us to have a salvation. Um so it's foolish in that sense, and it's a stumbling block to Jews. I mean, <clears throat> Jews were the Jesus is the reason that that they wanted to kill God or the reason that they see I can't even differentiate the two. The reason that they wanted to kill Jesus was not because he claimed he was the Messiah. It's because he claimed divinity when he made the the Yahweh statements, the I am's. That was the blasphemy. That's why they wanted to that's why they wanted to kill him and that led to his death because he was um what was the time when he was in the temple and he evaded him where um they were talking about Moses and he basically said like he's greater than them before Moses was I am or yeah. was it Abraham yeah before before Abraham before, I am. before Abraham I am he was clearly clearly saying that he was God in yeah. the flesh and that's what led to his death so it's a stumbling block to the Jews they they just can't comprehend that God that first of all, God would have a son, and then second of all, that that he would uh, be, that he would allow himself to be crucified, mm-hmm. and then we also see that when he's hanging on the cross, you know, they're like, "Well, if you really are who you say you are, get down," you know, and and basically clean up shop. But that's yeah. that wasn't the purpose. They they missed the forest for the trees. Yeah, they, they missed the whole point, the whole reason why they were separated. You know, the reason Israel was blessed. It wasn't just, oh, God loves them. He's going to give them stuff. He's going to take them to the land of more than enough. The whole reason was so that the nations would look back at Israel and say, oh, that's the true God. We need to turn to that God. And some of them did. You know, we see the queen of Sheba. We see um, uh, King Darius, even Nebuchadnezzar to a, uh, an extent, all recognized the true God. Well, and even Pharaoh did. Yes. But his heart was so hardened towards God, and God finished 
that hardening that that he didn't have a chance. That's right. But he, even he at the end, he was like, uh, "What does he say?" Um, uh, but it was go like, worship the God. Yes. Yeah. Before that, he'd say your God, and then at the end, he's like the God. Yeah, because even his magicians, you know, they could they could do counterfeit um, signs, but when it came to the power of life and death, they were they just threw their hands up. They're like, I, "This is this is truly God." Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much inside the Exodus story that is so interesting. It, we were gonna go through it, and then we were like. We won't get to any of this other stuff. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. decided to to not talk about that one in in relation to this. I love like the one plague where it's the the sun doesn't shine for uh, for Egypt. That's such a knock on the on Pharaoh because they believed Pharaoh when he got up, the sun got up. Like he's <laughs> the one in charge of the sun rising. So God's like, Nah, you know, you ain't. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Sit down, son. Yeah. Be still. No, I'm God. <laughs> Yo, wait, so you're actually applying a verse in context? Yeah, oh, how about man, that? That is, at least we've learned something. Yeah, I try. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next week, and uh, thanks for joining us. See you later. 